Hello and welcome to the First of Ted podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Phelps, here in Bloomington, Indiana. And today, it's a very special episode of the First in Ten. I don't know if any of you remember, back earlier this year, back in the summer, we did an episode where we broke down the upcoming future Big Ten football schedules that were announced. Well, that episode is complete garbage now because now there's new Big Ten schedules for us to break down with these new conference teams that we're going to be getting into today with Oregon and Washington added into the mix. 2024 through 2028 Big Ten schedules are live, but we're going to break that down in the first half of the episode. The second half of the episode is going to be a condensed version of our traditional weekly Big Ten preview. So if you just want to hear about week six, you can skip to the second half of this episode. But if you'd like to hear about the future of Big Ten football, you can join us here on the first half of the episode as well. And we'd be glad to have you for either part of it. But here along with me, for both parts of this podcast and for every podcast, Columbus, Ohio, it's the one and only Reed Murray. Reed, how are you doing today? Well, Patrick, I want to make a quick reference to, I want to say our first, no, not our first episode, but an early episode, the first and 10, when okay. I made a prediction about Nevada beating Purdue by a field goal in the end. They did it, and then we released that little me uh, looking into the, the crystal the ball. The crystal ball. It's a classic. Exactly. When we did our first episode on this, I mentioned the fact that they had when they released the initial schedules with just USC and UCLA, they had only put out two years of it. And I said, Hey, this means my my spidey senses are tingling here that there could be more expansion in the future. They're really not ad- announcing that much. And what do you know? Soon after there was expansion. So I want to tip my own cap real quick, or I guess tip my cap to myself, toot my own horn. I kind of combined those two phrases right there, but uh tip your horn a little. Exactly, exactly. Uh I saw this one coming and uh it honestly, it, like I said, it, I, I think I mentioned this earlier. It kind of frustrates me why they even bothered putting out those those two years of schedules over the summer when they ended up being meaningless in the end. But a month later, you know they what? were meaningless. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? Whatever. The conference is getting stronger. Hoorah! Reed Stradamus strikes again. Reed, we got to get that crystal ball graphic up on all of our socials. We need it updated because because the, the picture of me is like my sophomore year of high school. It's but that makes it way better. That makes it That's so true. much better. It's hilarious if we have you know big grown adult college student read is that as fun as tiny little sophomore in high school season one read no we, we like old read because it uh it's nostalgic and it's the classic and uh you know what an updated version it would work too because you are still mr predictor he did it again folks who could have seen this coming other than read j murray but read you saw it come in but here it is the Big Ten schedule for 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027, and 2028. Some of these don't even sound like real years. They're here. What can we make of this right now? What can we take away from these football schedules that are either a year away or several years away at this point? Well, it's so much harder to digest than what we had earlier in this summer because, I mean, for two reasons. One, there's just two more teams, two more schedules to look at. And on, quite frankly, two more top tier opponents to look out for when you're deciding which team has the hardest schedule in there. And, and three then more also, years worth of schedules as well. Exactly. Three yeah. more years worth. And especially when this, when this is announced, you know, on a day when we have classes and we have other things to worry about. Some people have midterms, things like that. Um, it, it is a lot harder to, to really like take a detailed look at this and, and figure out what everything means for each team. But I, I just think it's fascinating because five years in the future, that's so much time. You don't know which teams, I mean, you could have a general idea of which Blue Bloods are going to be on the top of the Big Ten mm-hmm. totem pole. Or actually, I guess it's the bottom because I think 
I think actually in Native American tradition, the most powerful things are on the bottom. So I think most people actually butcher that phrase. But really, uh, on the top, well, of, le learn something but, new every day, Reed. But yeah, on the top of the Big Ten educational podcast. Yeah. Um, but you know, you never know when a team is going to go 2019 Minnesota, 2020 Northwestern. Um, but you really, if we're looking at 2020 right Indiana, now, exactly. I mean, yeah. if you're looking at just right now, the, the big 10 has sort of doubled its heavyweights. It used to just be Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, Oregon, USC, and Washington are just destroying college football this year. So there's every team's schedule, especially the teams who are in the lower half of the big 10 got significantly harder with the addition of these teams. And uh, it, it is good that we can now actually finally see what are they going to look like instead of speculating how it's all going to turn out. It's significantly harder for some and other times it's not. There are, are schedules in here. For example, the 2025 Indiana schedule, which should I mention is the first schedule after the Tom Allen buyout drops. They don't play Ohio State. They don't play Michigan. So at the same time, the post Big Ten East life for Maryland, for Indiana, for Rutgers even if you're playing Oregon, you're playing USC, you're playing Washington, whoever, it still is a little bit more comfortable than playing Ohio State, than playing Michigan, than playing Penn State every single year like clockwork. Also because Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, largely very consistent programs. You can count on those teams to be good just about every year. USC has really struggled for the past decade, even if they're really good right now. They've not been consistent for the last 10 years. Oregon has mostly been up for the last 10, 20 years, but they've not been perfect and they, they've certainly had some down years as well. And then Washington, they've had a great last two seasons, but just a couple of years ago, they lost a game week one to Montana an FCS school and fired their head coach, Jimmy Lake at the end of the year. So I agree with you, Reed. It's tough to predict five years from now, six years from now, who is going to be at the top of the big 10 or the bottom of the totem pole, I suppose again learn something new every day that's so fascinating let me right? actually double check that because i think that I feel please like I've heard that please but... double check that but that's fascinating if true with that being said it's it's tough to know other than ohio state's probably going to be really good michigan's probably going to be really good penn state's probably going to be really good but with that being said ohio state's life michigan's life penn state's life and the big 10 west entirety as it sits right now all of their lives just got significantly tougher in the Big Ten West case, it's because they don't play each other anymore, unless you're Iowa with three protected rivals from the traditional Big Ten West. If you can even call it traditional. They're playing Nebraska every year. They're playing Wisconsin every year. They're playing Minnesota every year. So they don't have to play the new teams as much. They don't have to play Ohio State or Michigan as much. Uh, and then for Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, they're largely still going to be playing each other a lot. At least Ohio State and Michigan are, are playing every year still. And I believe that – the most the Big Ten could do without protecting a rivalry was make it a three out of every five years game. And I believe they did that for Penn State against at least one of Ohio State or Michigan. I know they did it for Penn State against Michigan State. And that program's a different issue. They could be back up five years from now for all we know. They've got a, a very important head coach position to, to fill here in the next few months. But it's going to be tougher for those three programs because instead of just playing each other, now they have to play USC. Now they have to play Oregon. Now they have to play Washington. Now they have to go to LA and play UCLA. Now they have to play um, some of these Big Ten West schools that are now going to be probably investing more because of the new TV contract. Every school is going to have more money to play with as well. And it doesn't mean that they're going to get a game against Rutgers, Indiana, or Maryland every single year. The the true imbalance of the Big Ten East is, is a thing of the past now with these balanced schedules, which I think is a good thing. 
And uh, if you're a program like Indiana, Rutgers, or Maryland, maybe it's not quite as easy as it was with the schedule we saw in June without Oregon or Washington in it, but you're, you're still jumping for joy because you don't have to play Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State every single season if you're those schools. Well, I also, though, there's a good point that you made there about some sort of like sleeping giants in the Big Ten where Michigan State, they were in a playoff, what was it? Uh, not even a decade eight, ago. Yeah, eight years ago, they were in the playoff. Wisconsin has contended for some playoffs. Minnesota, there was much more fringe, but they made a little bit of a run at the New Year's Six playoff. How about Nebraska, the them, biggest but... sleeping giant in the entire sport? Exactly, Nebraska. They've been sleeping for about, what, 20 years now. Mm -hmm. um, but but they can really burst onto the scene at any point. Northwestern, they've won multiple Big Ten West titles. There are a lot of teams right Purdue now. Purdue can give Ten... any team hell any given sun Saturday, right? Exactly. Iowa, you know, they were in the Big Ten Championship, quite frankly, should have won against Michigan State in 2015. They got really unlucky on one mm -hmm. tipped ball play. Um, Illinois last season just won, what, nine games? Yeah, so the, in the Big Ten this year, the Big Ten right now is one of the most top-heavy – no, it's by far the most top-heavy conference in college football. They have three – Let's want to say it's teams. the ACC. I honestly – I would still say Big Ten because there's. Three I think so too, but top, the ACC yeah. is up there too. That's true. That is true. There is some top heaviness there, um, but obviously the Big Ten really top heavy right now. But in the past, the argument has always been the SEC is the best at the top, and the Big Ten is the best top to bottom. We could return to that. I mean, there there could be some serious, some seriously competitive Big Ten seasons with just this many strong teams. And I am just fascinated to see is there going to be this parity that we kind of dream of, where all these teams are really good and it kind of swaps or is it going to be the top goes the rich get richer and you know the no offense to you indiana's rutgers and uh illinois of the world kind of seep to the bottom i am curious to see how this turns out and i do have an update on the totem pole situation i was correct the most prestigious figures are on the bottom of the totem pole wow learn something new every day reed Th there you go great great call by you on the totem pole i'm gonna start saying that bottom of the totem pole but reed Looking at this, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether or not we get a balanced Big Ten. The conference said that they are really trying to balance quality of opponents in this schedule, looking at historical trends and, and recent trends and the like. Is that going to lead to a more balanced Big Ten conference as a whole? That remains to be seen. Obviously, we haven't even seen the 18-team Big Ten for a week, let alone – for an entire season at, at this point. So that's something interesting worth looking into, especially with some of these programs, either having just made head coaching moves, having made head coaching moves to fire somebody and, and still waiting to hire someone like your Michigan state or with assumptions that a head coach is going to be fired at some point in the next year or two and replaced with somebody in the early stages of the new big 10, so to speak. Um, a lot of programs are, are going to have a lot to prove and a lot of questions early on in this new look conference. But Reed, just looking at some of the schedules here in, in the first couple of years, what games stick out to you and, and who are some of your biggest winners and losers from the schedule draw? Well, I mean, it's hard to say because, like I said, there's so many schedules that have been released. Um, I don't want to just talk only about Ohio State here because, you know, obviously Ohio State's the most important team to me, but that's not the case for everybody. Um, but I think if we are talking about Ohio State, I think they – I'm not going to say they get off easy. I mean, going to Oregon and Penn State next season is no easy task, but I think Ohio State did not get that tough of a draw. And uh, I, I think it's a good balance. I mean, for me as a student, there's some some interesting games, um, and there's also – there's no crazy gauntlet, and I think especially playing a non-conference schedule as weak as Ohio State's 
next non-conference schedule is pretty huge for them. I think Wisconsin really got shafted last schedule draw. And I think that's sort of the case again. And part of it is them shafting themselves by scheduling Alabama for a home and home. Um, it's going to make for a really tough next two seasons for them, especially when next year on the road, you got to go to USC and then at home you take on Oregon and Penn state. And then in 25, you got Michigan and Oregon on the road, Minnesota too. That could be sneaky. And it, it, it's a rivalry game. No rivalry game on the road is ever easy. Mm-hmm. No rivalry game ever is ever easy, but especially on the road. And then at home, you got Ohio state and Washington, Iowa could be tricky as well. So I think Wisconsin continues to be a, a little bit of a loser here. Um, and I don't know that anybody, it's hard to say who's going to be the big winners of these, because first of all, you're banking on every, if you're going to make that distinction right now, every team's sort of being at the relative prestige that they're at right now, which is just not always what happens in college football. And then at the same time, I mean, every team has a couple teams that are in the top 10 right now on their schedule. So there's no real, this team got a a cupcake, amazing, easy schedule. They're going straight to Indianapolis. Um, but I, I would say Wisconsin sticks out of the team that has a t- bit of a, a tougher road, which we said back in July, or was it June when this was originally released, whichever of the two. Over the summer, yeah. Yeah, that, that they have been getting off easy in the Big Ten West for a whole decade. So this is a little bit of retribution for that. It is a little bit of retribution. And for Wisconsin, that home and home with Alabama sounds really nice when you're playing in the Big Ten West and your toughest divisional games are going to be, what, Minnesota? Nebraska on a good year, which they haven't had for a long time. Iowa, end of list, maybe. I don't know. So that sounded really nice probably a decade or, or however long ago it was that they scheduled it. But right now, looking at this 2025 schedule for the Wisconsin Badgers, my God, is, is it difficult? Wisconsin in 2025, they go to Alabama, they go to Michigan, they go to Oregon, and they've got Ohio State and Washington at home just an absolute gauntlet really I think one of the toughest schedules you'll ever see in this sport I mean it depends how Washington looks but those other teams you can all but assume that they're going to be as good as advertised those those are real household brand names and Washington's been up the last few years and has a lot of football history as well they've won a national championship but you know that they haven't been the most consistent program over the last couple of decades still it's fair to assume that they'll at the very least be a real challenge in Camp Randall Stadium and those other four games are going to be absolutely difficult and probably games that Wisconsin is a heavy underdog in three of them on the road and one in Camp Randall against Ohio State who just flat out doesn't lose conference games most of the time but another team that I think is going to have a difficult go of things going forward is Michigan Reed in 2025 as well uh, for, for Michigan really 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 tough schedule uh, the Wolverines, well, they've got a home and home with Texas coming up, number one. So that that's going to be tough, right? That's Texas, who right now is looking like one of the best teams in the entire country this season. Who knows how, how they'll do? Texas is obviously a team who's struggled at points throughout the last decade or so. But going to the SEC, you can only assume that Texas is going to continue to get better. It's 2024, I meant to say, for for Wisconsin, not 25, because in 24, they're at Ohio State, they're at Washington and Seattle, which is a cool game because that was canceled, I believe, in in 2020. It was supposed to be played, so need to see them actually doing that. Same with uh, Ohio State going to Oregon in 2024, another game that was canceled and is back on the schedule. But uh, So Michigan's got Ohio State and Washington on the road uh, alongside Illinois and Indiana, but at home they've got Oregon and USC – 
on top of Texas at home and uh, Northwestern Minnesota, Michigan state, those three, eh, maybe Minnesota will be good. I don't know. Northwestern. I don't know. Michigan state really don't know that I even have a head coach right now, but Oregon, USC, Texas at home, plus Ohio state and Washington on the road. Also very tough. That Wisconsin schedule, that Michigan schedule, very similar in 24 and 25. The difference being you're swapping Texas at home for Alabama on the road if you're Wisconsin. Both of those very difficult. But, Reed, I think a team who made out well here in the Big Ten's new football schedule, which they're calling the Flex Protect 18 model, which uh, I don't know. What what does a Flex Protect 18 sound like to you, Reed? It kind of sounds like a type of insurance it's like car insurance. I think, I think it sounds like, like uh, some innovative men's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that too. But that's what they're calling this model is the Flex Protect 18. Uh, also sounds like it could be a, a Peyton Manning audible at the line of scrimmage in about 2005. <laughs> hey, Flex Protect 18! Flex Protect 18! Hey, it doesn't hurt that it was his jersey number either when he played for the Colts. So, uh, yeah, that's what they're calling it. It's the Flex Protect 18. But here in this Flex Protect 18 model, which I, I think I'm going to start just saying in my everyday vocabulary as often as I can, whenever I can work in the phrase Flex Protect 18, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it right now in the Flex Protect 18. I hope you're sick of me saying it by now. Iowa makes out really, really well. Three protected rivals for the Hawkeyes. They get Wisconsin every year. They get Nebraska every year. They get Minnesota every year. And while those are all programs who can have really high highs, they're also programs that can have either very low lows or very beatable lows, particularly for Iowa, a program who doesn't score a ton of points most years. It's not like Nebraska, Wisconsin, or Minnesota have been world beaters in that regard over the past handful of seasons either. So I think going forward for Iowa, getting those three programs every single year is huge. Because that could be one less game against Ohio State. could be one less game against Oregon, whoever. It's going to make Iowa's record look a lot prettier than a lot of other Big Ten schools who you might see a year where, let's say, I don't know, Oregon has a really good team, but they've got a tough schedule and they go 9-3 and three and everybody's making fun of the Iowa offense all year and they somehow also go 9-3. and three. It will be a product of their schedule. It's not that Oregon... Uh, is playing a particularly tough schedule. They're just playing a normal Big Ten schedule or whoever, any school. Iowa with those three protected games, I think they really, really, really lucked out. And uh, Iowa's going to have some inflated win totals compared to the rest of the conference because of it. And it's not like they're dodging Ohio State or dodging Michigan or whoever, but it's going to be fewer games against the better teams and more games against Nebraska and Minnesota and Wisconsin. And maybe Nebraska comes back with a capital B maybe Wisconsin under Luke fickle turns into the program that a lot of people think Wisconsin could be maybe PJ Fleck figures it out rows the boat back in the correct direction but as of right now it feels like Iowa is getting a really really great draw here yeah well one team I want to say has a difficult draw you mentioned them Oregon in 2024 they play a pretty tough schedule let me read this one out for you away games Michigan Purdue UCLA Wisconsin home games Illinois Maryland Michigan State Washington um, so I think Ohio state and Washington at home, that's tough. Um, yeah. it, it, even I mean, Maryland at home, potentially that could be tough too. But They've I been known to give think, teams a good game. Who knows who Michigan state hires? There's certainly a lot of rumors out there about how, who that could be. Michigan state hires a coach 
who turns it around in one year, like we saw with Mel Tucker due to the transfer portal. You can turn it around in a year at Michigan State. The proof is in the pudding. For all we know, Sparty could be back next season. That could be a tough home game as well. Yeah, so I think the only really rollover team on the schedule was Illinois, and then especially the road games. In addition to this, there being tough teams, these are some really tough places to win on the road. Michigan, I mean, there's not really much to say. The big house is a difficult place to win a football game. Mm -hmm. Purdue, if it was Purdue at home, I would be thinking about this a little bit less, but Purdue on the road, especially if you make that game. Of course, Oregon's a big name. It'll be the first time Purdue's playing Oregon in probably a long time, maybe ever. Uh, first time they're playing them as a conference opponent. The Purdue fans will get up for that one. Mm-hmm. UCLA on the road. Not sure what the Big Ten attendance is going to look like for UCLA. The attendance of that stadium hasn't been great, but hey, they're a solid football team this year. They were a solid football team last year. And then Wisconsin, like you said, maybe they're back with a capital B, maybe they're not. But either way, Camp Randall is not a place you just kind of waltz into and come away with a big win. So difficult schedule for Oregon there. And I also just think with Oregon, they are a team where they're they're not going to be an easy team to beat by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think in any of these five years we're talking about, but they are not used to a schedule with this much grind, which I think is ironic to say, considering they're in the Pac-12 this year, the Pac-12 is the most loaded conference mm-hmm. in the 2023-24 college football world, but it hasn't been in the last 10 years. And Oregon has some, you know, they, they went to one playoff, they've been to some top tier bowl games, but they've also had some years where they fell off playing against Pac-12 opposition. So now that you're playing against a more bang-bang Big Ten, I really am curious to see how Oregon holds up. But one team that I will say on the flip side has a bit of an easy go of things next season. And this is a team that has complained about its schedule since it joined the Big Ten back in 2011, Nebraska. All I ever hear from them is how hard their schedule is, which is just crazy coming from a team in the Big Ten West. Next season, on the road, they play Indiana, Iowa, Ohio State, Purdue, USC, at home, they play Illinois, Rutgers, UCLA, Wisconsin. Now, obviously, Ohio State and USC are those are some tough road games, and Iowa's a tough place to play. But and they can't compare, beat Iowa too. They they've really struggled with that team. That is true. But I think if you consider, I, I don't remember what what Nebraska's schedule was initially when it was just USC and UCLA being added. But I think I remember it being pretty difficult. And of course, I remember the COVID year. All they did was whine about their schedule then. And just generally, I've heard Nebraska fans complain about the difficulty of their schedule all mm-hmm. the time. I think this is something they could really work with. And of course, playing four home games as opposed to five, it's not ideal. But I think this is actually could, a really tough schedule. I completely I disagree I, with you, Reed. I think Purdue Illinois, away is always tough, and, and they've given Nebraska a lot of trouble over the last few years. Iowa has had Nebraska's number and then some. Ohio State on the road's Ohio State on the road. USC on the road's USC on the road. I'm not going to speak on the Indiana Hoosiers, but all time the Indiana Hoosiers have a winning record in the series against Nebraska. Hashtag just saying. At home, Illinois, Rutgers, UCLA, Wisconsin. I think they probably split I like the home slate. I, I like. I think they split them. We don't know what this roster is going to look like next season. Obviously, a lot, a lot has to be decided in the portal in this era. They can probably be Illinois and Rutgers at home, but that's not been a guarantee for for Nebraska over the last few years by any stretch of the imagination. And UCLA and Wisconsin are going to give them a tough game. I, I don't well, think this is a, a great schedule for Nebraska by any means at all. It's better than, you know, it's a tougher schedule than the traditional Big Ten West schedules that they usually face. Now that's at true. the very again, least I think- it is. For a while, they were playing these. They had Ohio State as a protected opponent from the East and Michigan as for, well at one point. Yeah, so so they they I I think first of all the fact that they're not playing Ohio State and Michigan and granted they're not doing that this year either. But I also think they play Ohio State in twenty four on the road. They go to Columbus. I, I what I, when I I meant to say they don't play them both together. That's what I meant. I okay, them. yeah, they don't play both. Yeah, and they yeah, don't play Penn State either. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, um, but I do think with Nebraska. 
I, I still like this one because I, I don't want to drink the Nebraska Kool-Aid. I always do it. I'm not going to do it. That's why I'm out. But That's why I'm is, saying I don't like it. And the thing is, going into this into this season, I said, hey, Matt Rule has turned programs around before. I like him to turn Nebraska around. I think he still could do it. It may just take time. And with the portal, I mean, Michigan State got turned around in a year. And Mel Tucker has turned out to be not the best coach. I mean, he was really kind of reliant on an amazing Kenneth Walker season. Kenneth Walker did miracles, didn't he? Exactly. So I like Matt Rule to turn a program around a lot more. And I don't know. I, I like his home slate. I think UCLA and Wisconsin, um, I, I mean, it also depends on what time of the year these games come in. But Illinois and Rutgers, I think in year two of Matt Rule, they should win both of those games comfortably. UCLA on the road, I mean, that's a, that's a far trip for them. Wisconsin, they're more menacing when they're at home. And then, you know, I, of course, I Kinnick's no easy place to play. But I think Indiana and Iowa, those are not the toughest road games. I don't know. I, I kind of like what Nebraska has going on there, but uh, I especially just see it as, hey, it, I guess when I read Nebraska's, because I, I looked at Nebraska expecting it to be this hard schedule and to see tons of Husker fans complaining on, online, I look at that and I say, hey, that's not that bad. And I think Nebraska it, fans should take that. It could be worse. It could absolutely be worse. It could be Michigan's schedule. Exactly. It could be Wisconsin's I mean, more, schedule. It could, yeah. One more point I want to make, too, which I just find absolutely hilarious, is people, when USC and, and UCLA got added to this conference, people were saying, wow, you know, there's really going to be a flight from New Jersey to L.A. that's going to be for a conference game. That flight's going to be made two times next season. <laughs> USC, or USC is hosting Rutgers. UCLA is coming out to New Jersey. So that flight will be made, will be made twice. It's hilarious. The following season, they're playing both of the Pacific Northwest teams, one at home, one on the road. <laughs> I, I just find that hilarious. Um, USC's got to go to Maryland next year. Yeah, I, I mean, it just, it's funny how, how everyone was like, wow, you know, this this whole California, New Jersey thing, this is crazy. But, uh, you know, it'll only happen every other year that, you know, they only have to do one a year of those flights, whatever. Now they're playing both those teams in a season and then they're playing both of the Pacific Northwest teams the year after that. I found that really funny. And I also find it funny that Rutgers is playing Oregon, a state that many people from New Jersey mispronounce as Oregon. I have no idea where that <laughs> trend started, but every person I've ever met from New Jersey says Oregon. Do they I've say never... Nevada too? Yeah. That nothing I've... as a as a former Nevada resident, I've learned that nothing for like makes two it months. For, for like two, three months. Nothing I learned made Nevadans more mad than when somebody called it Nevada. It's Nevada. Well, but the thing with that that I find interesting is I've heard people from Tennessee say Nevada. And it doesn't make it right, but I've heard it in other places of the country. I oh, but people say it everywhere. Yeah. I have never it's heard wrong. anyone from somewhere other than New Jersey say Oregon. Yet people, uh, most people from New Jersey huh. I say Oregon. I don't know what this, what started this phenomenon. But what I do around. find funny is if Rutgers, if their fans are good at bantering, they will make a big thing out of the whole Oregon thing. I think it'd be really funny. Uh, uh, but we'll see what kind of, uh, what kind of banter skills the Rutgers fans have. Be fun. Reed, have you ever listened to uh, the NPR show, You Got Away With Words? I have not. A lot of it is about like linguistics and why people in certain parts of the country say things that people in other parts of the country don't say. I think you'd like it. Well, I appreciate that recommendation. Yeah, it's good stuff. But uh, looking at this schedule one more time, Reed, 24-25, I've got to give one little Indiana football soapbox. We have a fun little away slate in 2024. Michigan State, Northwestern, Ohio State, UCLA. I'm going to go to at least three of those. That'll be fun. And then in 25, after the time Allen buyout drops, no Michigan, no Ohio State on the schedule. 
And at home, it's Wisconsin, UCLA, Michigan State, Illinois. Could be a lot worse. I'm just saying. Who knows what the program looks like at that point? Stranger things have happened. I feel a little bit of hope. And just not playing a traditional Big Ten East schedule makes me feel pretty good. Read any final thoughts on any team's future schedules before we move on to the second part of this podcast. Well, real quick, I want to say I'm heavily disappointed in how Ohio State's road trips got changed. It was originally supposed to be Ohio State on the road at UCLA next season. Now it's Oregon, and I'm not sure what my job is going to be next year, but there are a couple job opportunities I'm looking at that would give me comp trips to away games. I say give me my compensated trip to LA or give me death, and they're giving me death. They're giving me Oregon on the road. They've killed independent raid. Washington on the road, exactly. Uh, in 2025, look, that would still be awesome, but I was looking forward to, you know, kicking back on the beach, um, you know, getting a tour of the Hollywood sign, uh, and all that. So, uh, that is a shame, but, uh, overall, I, I will actually say though, that some people, myself included, are talking about the identity of the big 10 and what these teams coming to the conference means for it and everything. I do like, as much as there are some weird things about this flex protect 18 model, like <laughs> Oregon, Washington, USC. Rolls UCLA. off the tongue, doesn't it? Exactly. Um, You know, you and I were talking earlier today about how we think that the Pacific teams should all play each other each season, but it's just difficult with 18 is yes. a hard number to work with. Yeah, that was what something I'm, that I, I would have liked to see in this model, but I get why they didn't do it. it. It's really difficult to pull that off. Right. What I will say, though, is you do have a lot of classic Big Ten opponents on the schedule for each team. And I'm just looking at Ohio State and seeing, you know, does this feel right? Does a slate of Illinois, Michigan, Purdue, Washington, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Penn State, Rutgers, UCLA feel right? I say, sure. Washington, Rutgers, UCLA, that's weird, but there's still a healthy number of classic Big Ten teams in there. And what I will also say is, um, you know, oh, one point real quick, the Illibuck. The Illibuck was supposed to be played next season. It was now pushed back to 2025. So the Illibuck has been dormant for from 2017 to 2025. Eight years, no Illibuck. P- players on both teams, I'm sure, have no idea this trophy even exists. Will it even continue to exist by 2025? Who knows? Um, but, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Patrick. I had one more point about the, uh, the classic Big Ten team schedule. Does this feel right? And... Oh, this is what it was. I, I was about to say, I forgot it. Now I remember, um, you know, we were talking about Big Ten West versus Big Ten East and how now the Big Ten West teams are getting a little bit of a taste of what the Big Ten East has felt for a while. The Big Ten East is getting a little bit of a, a, a breath of a fresh air to say, oh, we don't have to play. A Ohio little State breath of fresh air compared to exactly. what the schedule from June or July looked like. I think the Big Ten East is now getting a breath of fresh air, not in a difficulty of opponents way, but in a vibe of opponents way i guess would be the way to put it because every year since 2014 the teams in the east have had to play rutgers and maryland every single season now they're not playing those they're, they're getting other schools on the schedule but they're not playing those two every single year i think it's a great balance i actually think this this move may end up making the big 10 feel more like a classic big 10 in the end because now ohio state gets to play teams like purdue illinois iowa etc more often and they play rutgers and maryland less often I like that. Yeah, that's not a bad thought. Maybe my conference is back. Who knows? I don't say I disagree, but at the same time, if you're a USC, UCLA, Oregon, or Washington fan, it has got to feel exceptionally weird looking at a future conference schedule where you're only playing two teams from 
what's been your conference since forever in the Pac-12. Two teams from your time zone? How about yeah, that? Yeah, two teams in your own time zone, let alone your side of the Mississippi, let alone your side of the Rocky Mountains, just on the complete other end of the country, a, a cultural and geographic uh, different universe. It might as well be. That, that's got to feel really weird. And as fans of programs that have been a part of the Big Ten since the dawn of time, more or less at this point, we can't relate to that and we can't know what that feels like, but I imagine it's got to be weird. Although I'm sure the reality set in for them a little bit, it won't feel real until you see USC has got to stretch the next three weeks where they're playing Penn state on the road and they've got Maryland and Michigan at home or something like that, you know, where that's their schedule for the month of October or something. And uh, maybe they get a breath of fresh air when they play UCLA or play Notre Dame or whoever uh, in conference, out of conference, whatever. I still imagine it's going to be exceptionally weird for them for seven of their games on their schedule to be against the traditional or pre 2024 traditional, I guess, if you want to throw Rutgers and Maryland and Penn state in there, big 10 it's weird for them, I'm sure. But, for the rest of us Big Ten folk who have been a part of this conference since 2014 or before, largely the schedule is going to feel normal outside of a handful of fun matchups against Washington or USC or whoever that will, at first, I think, just feel like a fun out-of-conference opponent, but maybe eventually will feel like a part of the conference, like Rutgers and Maryland have started to over the last couple of years, I think, for a lot of us. Yeah, and I think if you're on the if you're looking at it from the perspective of those specific teams, of course, yeah, we can't speak for them, but I think they would take weird over not having a conference or playing in the Mountain West. Being Oregon or, State. Yeah. Or playing in the even weirder Big 12, which as weird as the Big Ten is now, it's almost as if it's the Midwest conference with it's it's kind of like if you think about fraternities, it's like the Midwest conference with a couple annex houses. And uh whereas the Big 12 now is just who even knows that that conference has no identity. And even if the big big 10 has less of an identity now than it used to, as it's no longer the conference of the Midwest, it's still got some of that. The big 12. I mean, this is a conference that goes from Florida to West Virginia to Utah to Arizona. To Provo. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think for them, it is, it's kind of weird or die. And I think they'll, 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 they'll be happy with it. And, uh, and I, I think you're right that it does on the big 10 side of things. It kind of almost feels like, you're playing an old Big Ten schedule with just fewer Big Ten games and the, the conference cut a deal with the Pac-12 to play two teams from there. Or even the traditional amount of Big Ten games because true. the nine-game schedule is a new phenomenon. It's true. So I, I think it'll feel fairly normal for the most part. And, you know, for me at least, I, I think the out-of-conference additions are going to feel fun. At the start, at least. I'm, I'm really excited to see some of these matchups in the Big Ten. Last note before we go, Reed, on out-of-conference scheduling, I think Big Ten out-of-conference scheduling, obviously these decisions are made years upon years upon years in advance, so we're not going to see it come into fruition for probably another 10 or 15 years at this point. Out-of-conference schedules in the Big Ten are probably going to get a whole lot easier now that, for the most part, conference schedules are getting a whole lot tougher. Like looking at Oregon's 2024 schedule, which we mentioned in the Big Ten, is really tough. Out of conference, they have four games scheduled right now. One is going to have to be canceled to make up for those nine Big Ten games. They're playing at Hawaii. They're playing Idaho, who's one of the top teams in FCS at home. 
They've got Texas Tech and Boise State also on the schedule. Who, well, Boise State isn't Ouch. great right now. Boise State is still a traditional power of the G5, and Texas Tech's a Power 5 program that gave Oregon a good game this year and is the only team to give Oregon a good game this year, and, and Texas Tech has certainly had a lot of football success over the years. You're not going to see non-conference schedules like that in the new Big Ten. Or looking at Purdue, who is the only Big Ten team, I believe, to not have to make a West Coast trip in 2024. It's a really traditional schedule for them, plus Oregon at home. Purdue also had the great idea of scheduling both Notre Dame and Oregon State, Oregon State on the road in 2024. So kind of throws away all the favor they had in their schedule. They have a really tough out-of-conference schedule. Purdue did the same thing this year uh, with a tough out-of-conference schedule that they went one and two in when any of those five teams, the three they played this year, plus um, the, the two that they've got on the schedule next year for Oregon State and Notre Dame, no offense to the Indiana State Sycamores, who they also have on the schedule. But any of those five would probably make for a great cap as the one big out-of-conference opponent for a Big Ten team in a current year or especially going forward uh, with a school like a Fresno State potentially being the toughest you could see a Big Ten team face out of conference simply because the conference schedule is going to be so difficult and you're going to want to pad as many wins as you can into that conference or that out of conference schedule just to make up for, I believe Michigan also has a future series with Fresno state of all teams starting next year. So we talked about that, that Michigan slate being really tough next year in the big 10 plus having Texas. They've also got Fresno state who we saw just beat Purdue and is undefeated right now. And is one of the top G five programs in the entire country. I think out of conference schedules are going to be a lot lighter in the big 10 going forward. Well, I think real quick, I want to talk about Ohio State in particular, because that is not the case. Unless they cancel a couple series, they have Texas home and home in 25 and 26. And so that means their 26 road slate is going to be Indiana, Iowa, Nebraska, USC. Depending on where Nebraska and USC are, plus a Texas road trip, that can be really challenging. And then 2027, Alabama at home, 2028, Alabama on the road. So Ohio State in particular still does have some pretty beefy schedules. Now, will they keep them? Who knows? You know, they've canceled some some series recently, so they could get simpler. But I said this to you earlier today. Obviously, you want fun out of conference games. You want games early in the season that are interesting. But I would not blame a Big Ten team. I would not be upset on anybody if there was never a, a, a top 25 Big Ten out of conference game ever again, just because there are so many tough games on the schedule. And it's kind of dog eat dog, every man for himself in terms of making the playoff, making bowl games, etc. Mm-hmm. that I, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't be thrilled, but I would respect and understand any big 10 team that wants to just go soft, soft, soft. Cause some of our, some of them are already doing it. So Tom Allen like, just canceled the Louisville series. I mean, Michigan this year and last year, look at who they played. So if some people are already doing it now, I really wouldn't blame someone for doing it in the future. I couldn't either read, but beyond that, I don't have any more thoughts on this big 10 future schedule. I've got it all out of my system. Anything else from before we go? Nothing for me on this. Let's get All right. our preview. We're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll give you a preview of the current Big Ten, the last year of the Big Ten as we know it, and we feel fine. Week six preview coming up right after this short break. All right. That was our discussion of the future Big Ten schedules from 2024 through 2028 that were announced earlier today, this Thursday, the October 5th, October the 5th, rather. But Reed, we've got an actual slate of football games this week to talk about, not five years from now, not four years from now, tomorrow, 
we've got Big Ten football games being played. Let's break it down like we usually do. It's going to be a little bit of an abbreviated preview this week because we talked so much in the last segment. But let's start how we always start, Reed, with what to watch for. I'll let you kick this one off. What are you watching for this week in the Big Ten? I'm watching for Michigan to keep it rolling. I, 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 part of me is curious. Part of me thinks that it's certainly going to happen. Michigan last week finally just came out of the gates firing against Nebraska, completely destroyed them in their own home this week. They have Minnesota on the road. That game is going to be an NBC. And I think it's a good primetime game, but I think some people are questioning, can Minnesota pull off an upset here? I say absolutely not. I think Michigan now has kind of kicked it into gear. And, you know, we've, we've seen teams like this sometimes, it's that they're not in gear, then they get put into gear, and all of a sudden they're just beating everybody this way. Sometimes they're more up and down. I think this is where Michigan really establishes themselves is now we are the Michigan Wolverines you're used to. We had a sluggish start this year. Now we're back on track. I think Michigan completely steamrolls Minnesota on the road. I don't think the Gophers have what it takes to compete with Michigan, especially if the vibe in that locker room is feeling really good. I'm going to say big Michigan win is my what to watch for this week. I completely agree, Reed. I think Minnesota is going to get absolutely steamrolled here in the little brown jug game this week. My what to watch for, Reed, we are watching for not a streak, but close to it, a trend. We're on trend watch this week. Purdue and Iowa, I said it a couple weeks ago when Purdue played Wisconsin, there are just certain things you always have to count on in the Big Ten. One of them is Wisconsin always beating Purdue, like clockwork. That one's a lot more reliable than this one. It's Purdue beating Iowa. Purdue's won four of the last six. Purdue also leads this all-time series 50-40. to 40. The Boilermakers really have been the better team over the past six or seven years in this series, and that's with a lot of really good Iowa teams in the middle of that. Granted, Iowa won this game last year, but I'm considering it a blip, not a bomb on this radar. I think the Boilermakers continue their ways against Iowa and win this game on the road in Kinnick, just like they did back in 2021 against a top five Hawkeye team. It doesn't hurt that Iowa is trotting out a backup quarterback this week in place of Cade McNamara, who already had struggled a lot this season. So I don't expect the Iowa offense to be a whole lot better. I think Purdue got itself back on track a little bit last week, blowing out Illinois. I think the Boilermakers make the most of this not quite streak, but not not a streak. They've won four or six in the series in the last six meetings think they keep it rolling here yeah i'm with you on this one and i think it's just, it's i think it has less to do with the streak as much as we believe in superstition and voodoo and whatever on this show i think it has more to do with the fact that iowa was already not firing at all cylinders and now they've taken a massive blow it's the bigger think, part of why i mentioned yes yeah, i agree exactly I, I i think i think really they could play anything maybe with the exception of illinois and lose this game this week um, indiana i think the fact that yeah probably i'll be honest uh, but especially considering that Purdue, you know, they they maybe got on track. Maybe Illinois is just really, really bad. Or maybe Purdue's back on track. Either way, they won last week badly, or I guess, what's, I don't want to say bigly. Bigly. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't want to pull the Trump bigly out. But, uh, you know, they, they won by a significant margin last week. So, uh, you know, if, if we want to make some terrible train puns, the train is rolling, the train's back on the tracks with Purdue. I like Purdue. I don't like them big, but I like them. I like them here too, Reed, and we'll talk about that as we get into our scores, which, by coincidence, we're doing right now. We're not going to do our other categories here. We're going to save you a little bit of time and just get right into our scores, starting with Friday night's game in Champaign, Reed, that Illini team we just talked about. 
hosting Nebraska in Champaign. Reed, Illinois is a three and a half point home favorite. That's asinine to me. I don't think either of these teams are good, but I think Illinois is special bad this year after getting blown out by Purdue. This is just just a really terrible team. It's not like their their other two games they've played that they've actually won have been particularly good showings. Um, the Illini squeaked past FAU, squeaked past Toledo. So I can't say I trust them even to, to win against a bad team, which Nebraska is, because Illinois is also a bad team. I think you have to mention for this game also, uh, Illinois alum and Hall of Fame linebacker Dick Buckus passed away earlier today. So there's probably going to be a lot of emotion in the air in Champaign for this game, but I don't think it's enough. I think Nebraska wins this game by seven on the road read. Yeah. I mean, I think sisters of the poor university could beat Illinois. I think it's just kind of crazy that they're favored. Uh, um, I, I don't like Nebraska to win this one by a large margin, but I'm going to say Huskers by 10 really just cause I, again, I, I don't really like Nebraska that much this season, uh, but I, I just cannot in good faith pick a power five team or pick Illinois over a power five team. I can't either read. And uh, they barely squeaked past two G fives as well. So it was hard to even pick them in those games. But uh, before we move on from this game, I will say rest in peace to the legendary Dick Buckus, a great Illini and Chicago bear linebacker, one of the NFL's all time greats rest in peace. Uh, We wish him and his family, nothing but the best. All right, Reed, let's get into the Saturday slate here. Big noon kickoff in Columbus, Ohio State hosting the Maryland Terrapins. Maryland coming off a drubbing of IU, but they're still 20-point dogs in the shoe. This is our game of the week this week. It's hard not to make this the game of the week because, really, there's not a whole lot of other great games on the schedule. This is a pair of undefeateds in the same division, clashing in the shoe. Doesn't get much better than this. It's an electric, electric offense for Maryland. Is it going to be enough to keep them in this game for very long, though, Reed? I don't think so. I don't think Maryland has played a defense like Ohio State this year. And I think Ohio State's defense really is at a high, high level. Um, That's not to say Maryland won't cause any sort of issue to the Ohio State defense. But I think, I mean, last week, I don't know how you felt. I was really impressed. Or not last week, two weeks ago. I was really impressed by Ohio State and Notre Dame on the defensive side of the ball. Still Chambers said yesterday, we were, I I forget what his exact words were, but I, I think what he said was, we were really bad. And there are some things we really need to improve upon. And again, of course, that's just holding yourself to a high standard, never being satisfied, whatever. Uh, but if what we saw there is not enough, considered bad in the Ohio State locker room, this this, this defense is capable of a lot. I think Ohio State wins this one handily. I think they keep it going. Um, I was saying on off script yesterday that I, I think the benchmark for Ohio State, what I'm expecting slash hoping from Ohio State is for the game to be decided by the third quarter. I think that will be the case. Who knows what the final score will be, but I'm going to say Ohio State by 24, and it'll be over by the third. I've got Ohio State by 21 here, Reed. I think this is the coming out party for the offense. I think this is the day when the Ohio State offense really shines, really comes together, really clicks against a real opponent. They've had some good games, but not a real game, not a a great game against big-time competition. They, They struggled against Notre Dame. They struggled against Indiana. I think this week against Maryland, they absolutely control this game from start to finish and take it home. Just not even going to be a question. High scoring too, I think for Ohio state, I I think they win this one 49, 28. I I think it's going to be a good showing for the offense. And I think they get a defensive touchdown in there too. I think they can pick up Talia. 
pick off Talia, rather. But also in that noon window, Reed, this one's on Peacock. 13-point favorites are the home. At home are the Wisconsin Badgers against Rutgers. Reed, I think this is going to be a low-scoring one. 4-1 Rutgers, 3-1 Wisconsin. Both teams have good records. Neither team has particularly impressed me, though. I've got Wisconsin here by 10. I'm actually going to say Wisconsin to cover. I'm going Badgers by 21, and I, I keep I keep predicting it. I'm going to kick myself for this, I know, on Sunday when we're looking at the scores. But I don't know. I, I just feel like Wisconsin – I don't know why. Maybe maybe I'm stupid for putting faith in them to, to win a game comfortably. But I, I don't know. I, I like The 38-17 score against Purdue, I think this is a worse team in Rutgers despite the better record. And I, I just think maybe this is the one where it finally clicks and they just look better – uh, on all cylinders, who knows? But but I'm saying Wisconsin by 21. I am once again putting my faith behind them, which I probably will regret. It's Groundhog Day again for the Badgers. For Reed, he keeps doing this. It feels like every single week. This is the week Wisconsin figures it out. This is the week Wisconsin figures it out. And they're three and one, but at what cost? Are they going to be able to figure it out this week? You have to tune in to find out. It's on Peacock at noon. One worth watching. I think Rutgers can make this a game. I think they can hang. I'm interested to see how it goes. Also in the afternoon window, this one's at three o'clock on BTN. Howard headed to Northwestern, the Bison headed to Ryan Field. Can't get a line on this one, but you can get a ticket for $4. Northwestern had a great first half and a second half that existed against Penn State, but against an FCS opponent here, I don't think it is a question. I've got Northwestern by 31. I'm going to say Northwestern by 42. I think it's just when you're playing an FCS team, it's just, I mean, they did lose to an FCS team last year, but they did. Uh, but I think, I think Northwestern is now at a point, especially their past couple of performances. I mean, they've, they've not looked bad lately. Uh, I think they will steamroll an FCS team. Yeah. Not even going to be a game in this one. If you ask me and I agree with you there, Reed. All right. Also in the, Afternoon window, 3.30 on Peacock. This is the second of three consecutive Peacock games for the Purdue Boilermakers, Reed. They're headed to Iowa to take on the Hawkeyes. Iowa's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Purdue is our pick, both of us. We just mentioned it a couple of minutes ago. I told you why. The Boilermakers, they figured it out last week, in my opinion, against Illinois. And the the way you feel about Wisconsin is the way I feel about Purdue. They're going to figure it out eventually. They're going to figure it out eventually. This is the week. This is the week. And I feel like last week was the week for Purdue. And I think the rest of the way, Purdue uh, could be in for a a pretty decent season. That tough non-conference slate, I think, is going to bite them later in the year when they end up in a less than desirable bowl game compared to what they feel like they should be in. But that's if they get to a bowl game at all. They've still got a lot to prove, including this week in Iowa City. But I think they get it done. Reed, give me the Boilermakers by seven. Hey, look at Purdue getting their money's worth on Peacock. Uh, I'm also saying Boilers by seven. Kind of for the reasons we listed out earlier. I don't think they bulldoze them by any means, but I, I will take Purdue in this one. Purdue also on the men's basketball side of things where they're set to be a top five team in the country has the most games on Peacock of any team in the big 10. They've got six Peacock games, including their marquee non-conference game against Arizona and their marquee conference game against our rivals, Indiana in assembly hall. At this point, they just got to get Purdue players to do NIL deals for Peacock and get in some commercials and stuff. They've got because, us. Yeah. Uh, the P in Purdue stands for Peacock. 
get get a peacock suit for Purdue Pete or something. I don't know. <laughs> so somebody in their marketing department knows better than I do. So uh, Purdue is becoming the official team of Peacock here in the era of the new Big Ten streaming and television deal. All right, last game for us to predict here, Reed. This one's on NBC, 7.30 kick at Huntington Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Gophers hosting the Michigan Wolverines, the second-ranked Michigan Wolverines. Michigan, speaking of teams who look like they figured it out last week, feels like that to me. They're 18.5-point favorites on the road. I think they win by more than that. I've got Michigan here by 27, Reed. Yeah, like I said earlier, I got Michigan big. I'm going to go Wolverines by 31. Wolverines by 31. We don't think this is going to be much of a game. That Minnesota offense just cannot hang in a game against a good team, let alone a game against an average team, let alone, let's be honest, a game against a bad team. Even if they had a feel-good win against ULL last week, it still is just a win against ULL. Can't think too much of it. And we're in agreement here. Michigan is going to take care of business. All right, Reed, that's it for our predictions. Let's close this episode out with some shout-outs. I'll let you start. Anybody you want to shout-out before we wrap this one up? Um, let's see. I'll give a shout out to my professor, Nicole Kraft. She's invited me to a few really cool opportunities outside of the classroom lately. And I uh, just want to express my gratitude there. So shout out to you, Nicole. Shout out to her indeed, Reed. A couple of shout outs for me. First, I'll give a shout out to the University of Kentucky and Indiana University for finally burying the hatchet and scheduling a series in men's basketball, four games set to be played in 25, 26, 27, and 28. They're coming to Assembly Hall in 2028. I cannot wait. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Finally, that game is being played. I've been asking for it for years. And, uh, Reed, I'll also give a shout-out this week to my beloved Indianapolis Colts taking on your your Tennessee Titans. Um, if you could see us right now, Reed's got the Titans shirt on. I've got the Colts shirt on as we're recording this Completely podcast. Completely unplanned, by the way. On accident, I'm wearing my Colts hoodie. He's got a Titans tee. Uh, it's the first and 10 bowl of the NFL. It happens twice a year in the AFC South. Reed, Jonathan Taylor's back this week for the Colts. I'm feeling pretty good. I can't lie. Taylor Schmaler, Titans by 100. Uh, give, give me the Colts in this one. There's your NFL prediction for you. Uh, I'll give a shout out to my boss at my former internship in Las Vegas, Gavin. He is a big Tennessee Titans fan, and we have a $1 bet placed on this game. Uh, next time I see him, I'll be sure to ask him for that dollar to be put in my pocket when the Colts win this one at Lucas Oil Stadium. Hopefully they do that on Sunday. I'm crossing my fingers. But other than that, that's all we've got for you today. Enjoy your college football Saturday, no matter where you're watching it from, from the stands, from the couch, from wherever. For Reed Murray, my name is Patrick Feltz, and we will see you next time. Bye.